our love and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> One of my favorite movies as a boy was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out, the original, when I was nine years old. So it was prime time for me to love this movie. It was um, an adaptation of Raoul Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And as you can imagine, at nine, a lot of what I liked in that movie had to do with the chocolate and the candy part. But as I was thinking about these scripture passages we read this morning and thinking about the sermon that I was going to share this morning, I kept coming back to this movie. And for those who haven't had the pleasure of seeing uh, Willy Wonka, uh, Willy Wonka's uh, secret chocolate factory or candy factory is being opened up for this special tour for five children who can find one of five golden tickets hidden in Wonka bars across the globe. And so, children everywhere and adults all over the world just go crazy searching for these golden tickets. And I thought to myself, how much of our lives are spent searching for our own golden tickets? So that thing, whether it's that job or that bank account or that status that will provide us all we ever hoped for, that which will open doors for us that we have dreamed about. And like the children in Willy Wonka, however, we so often want that golden ticket for all the wrong reasons. We get distracted and forget who we are, and maybe more importantly, we forget whose we are. This is the point that Jesus is making when the Pharisees, again, as we heard in the children's message and the scriptures, try to trap him with a trick question. They want him to get in trouble by asking him about paying taxes to the emperor. He doesn't follow it. He falls for it. He says, give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God that which is God's. Jesus is asking the Pharisees and us, to remember money might have the image of political leaders on them, but we, you and I, are made in the image of God. So what is rendered to God? It is us. It's all of who we are. It's about whose we are. We are God's children created in God's image. Jesus is getting to the point of that scripture passage that's often misquoted in 1 Timothy, as money is the root of all evil, that actually is not what it says in the scripture passage. That's not what money is. It's the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what actually it says in 1 Timothy. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So Jesus is acknowledging here in this gospel passage that money can be used for all sorts of things, but the question is, and the question Jesus is asking, who or what do we worship? Who or what do we live for? And this is important for us as we think about stewardship in the coming weeks. Stewardship is not about how much of what is mine do I give to God. 
But really, how much of what is God's do I decide to keep for myself? Because we come into this world with nothing, and we leave this world with nothing. If you think about it, one way or another, or another, we give all we have away, don't we? Because we can't take it with us. So we give it all away, one way or the other. Therefore, it's not what you have that matters, it's what you do with what you have that matters. In my ministry with older adults over the years, I've seen how this becomes more and more obvious to people as they look back over their long lives. And one of the hardest things I have ever had to do, and it happens more often than I wish, is to sit with someone at the end of their life who knows that they didn't use the time and gifts God gave them as they could have, whatever that might mean. Who forgot, who believe at least, that they forgot along the way how God was leading them or where God was leading them. And they're filled with these would've, could've, should'ves. This, again, was certainly the problem with uh, the Israelites in our passage in Exodus, and we've been reading a few Exodus passages that seem to find these people always in the same situation. <clears throat> Moses was gone. He's actually talking with God, having a little conversation with God. It's 40 days of conversation, so it's not like he's gone for a moment. But <clears throat> they are like out of sight, out of mind. Both God and Moses. It's sort of kind, they kind of begin to act, kind of like when my, our sons, Sarah and my sons were babies. You know, I can remember how the, when they saw shiny, sparkly things, how they would just stare and smile. And they would just kind of laugh to themselves for some reason. You could like hold a shiny, sparkly thing in front of them and they, they just loved it. The problem is, of course, the shiny, sparkly things change but we still kind of have that glazed feeling. They might not even be shiny, sparkly, but they're metaphorically shiny and sparkly, and we kind of are attracted to them for some reason. One of the things that uh, I realize as uh, you go through life is that, again, it's not always the same things, but those things are always out there. Now, for the Israelites, they put together this golden calf. They melt down the gold, put together this golden calf. They build an altar. Aaron says, let's have a festival and let's worship this. This is the new thing we're going to worship. <clears throat> they quickly forget all that God did to lead them out of captivity. <clears throat> And we can relate to this in a way, right? Because maybe not with the golden calf, but we do struggle with those things that seem to come between us and God. And it's appropriate at times to reflect on what are the false idols in our life. I won't make you take out a pen and list them now, but it's important not only in these moments to think about what are those things 
that we turn from God to worship. That, that take control of our lives and which we struggle not to follow. Too often it seems to me that we try to t- create God in our image rather than the other way around. And that's why God is often viewed as judgmental and racist and non-inclusive and all those other bad things because we're creating this God in our image rather than understanding what it means for us to be created in God's image. All of us join those Israelites at times as a forgetting people and because of it, all of our priorities get mixed up. We forget who we are. Carl Jung once said, the world will ask you who you are. And if you don't answer it, it will tell you. The world will ask you who you are. And if you don't answer it, it will tell you. So we have to strive to discover who we are as faithful people. Who we are as God's stewards of what we would give So back to Willy Wonka. Full circle, right back to Willy Wonka. Most of my life always comes back. I used to come back to Willy Wonka. So once the five children are there in the chocolate factory, four of them, except Charlie in a way, the hero of our story, want more. They are not satisfied with just the result of finding the golden ticket. They want more. So each of the other four get into trouble because of their greed or their pride or their disrespect. And the interesting thing about this story too, and there's a lot of Christian allegory in it. I'm not sure if Dahl meant it, but it's full of it. Because Wonka, kind of the godlike figure in the midst of paradise, kind of mysterious and mystical in a way, miraculous things happen. But God, but Wonka <laughs> never tries to stop the children from doing bad stuff. Uh, It's free choice. You have free will. You can do what you want. And they do, and they get into trouble. But Charlie isn't perfect either, and and he's about to leave with an everlasting God's, I mean, gobstopper, (laughs) everlasting gobstopper in his pocket, which a fiendish, competing candy company owner wants to find the formula for. He's just about to leave because he's unsure about Wonka. He's unsure about the meaning of Wonka. He's just about to leave. Leave it all behind. At the last minute, he turns back. He literally repents. He remembers what is everlasting within him. And in doing so, in that act of giving back, He gets it all. He gets it all. He also gets the factory, but he gets it all. And Wonka forgives just like God did for those Israelites over and over again and for all the people of God. And Charlie and Wonka go off into life together. So it comes down to, as I was sharing with the children earlier, where do we put our trust? 
let go of whatever it is that's trying to get in the way of where God is leading you. Because while our society, our culture, talks about taking the church, we talk about giving. We have a countercultural message that we need to be proud of, that we need to proclaim, that we need to own. Because if we do what we do here together, individually on our journeys and collectively, makes a difference most importantly for our lives, because it changes how we see the world. Because it doesn't matter how much you have of whatever you have, financially, talent-wise, intellectually, when you put God first, when you know that everlasting life, which is within you as a child of God, then you have enough. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for bringing us together on this day, for all the ways you bless us, for all the ways you surround us with your love and your support, for all the ways you forgive us and your amazing grace encompasses us. Continue to guide us, continue to let us feel that presence in our life, continue to think about the choices of our lives, how they reflect who we are as a child of yours. Give us the strength and courage to see beyond instant gratification and to be good stewards of all we have been blessed with, whatever that means for us as an individual. We pray these prayers in the name of God with us today and forever.